tells us that the entire scripture praises God's name and declares his goodness. And it goes on to talk about all of the moon and the stars and all of the heavens. Praise God's name and give him glory. Therefore, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm going to describe a scene to you. The country western singer stepped out of his limousine with a cell phone still to his ear. He was working out the details of his next five album deal. And he stepped onto the stage which 30 people had spent six hours preparing before 22,000 people who had traded an entire day's wages just to be sitting in that auditorium. And the famous singer hit his mark in the center of the stage under the 12-foot-tall letters which spelled out his name in lights. And he nodded to show that he knew which camera was live as this was being preserved for posterity. And he brought the adoring crowd to its feet with the first three chords of his newest song about how hard life is when nobody loves you. Yeah, it was a Why Me, Lord song. That's the title of today's sermon. Why Me, Lord. And I know I'm picking on that fictional character, but a sizable number of all the country-western songs ever recorded, like a lion's share of most of the folk songs and blues and rock and alternative rock songs that ever became popular, are Why Me songs. And what we've been through in the last three years or so you can imagine that Why Me songs might be pretty popular. But about 45 years ago, Chris Christopherson put an interesting spin on every Why Me song when he asked, Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? That's where we are today. We might look up from the midst of uh, our suffering or our anxiety or our disappointment or our loneliness and yet see all of the blessings that God has given us and say, why am I so blessed? That same attitude of wonder over the blessings of God is found in Psalm 8, our text for this Trinity Sunday, especially these verses. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have put in place, what am I that you are even mindful of me? What is the Son of Man that you visit me. 
The universe is an awfully big place. You find that out if you try to leave Milwaukee and go anywhere north or west of here. As you're traveling those long, long stretches, if you're still on the road when night falls, and you've moved far from the lights of the city, your eyes and your imagination might be captured by the stars. Or if you're one of those folks who likes to go out camping far away from the city lights, perhaps you've been dazzled by the stars. I'm a city boy. I have slept close to street lights most of my life. The green or amber or stark white of those lights has kept the streets I've lived on a little bit safer, but they've bleached out most of the stars above my head. The lights that we set in place so that we can see our fellow man in all his depravity have prevented me from seeing most of the lights God set in place in his perfection at a time before the first man ever drew breath. But there have been nights, sometimes in mid-Nebraska or in the high desert regions outside of Las Vegas, where partway through a long, long trip, I've pulled the car over to the side of the road just to be, to be dazzled and awed by the beauty and the unimaginable immensity of God's creation. Oh Lord, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you put in place, what am I? The stars are staggering. When I was in college, I was told that there are two billion billion stars. Turns out that's wrong. But that's an awful lot of zeros, isn't it? Two billion billion stars? One of the science teachers put it this way, he said, if every person who ever lived would be employed by doing nothing but counting the stars, and if each person counted one star per second, every second of a standard eight-hour workday, and if that effort could be so organized that the same star was never counted twice, all of assembled humanity would finish in 95.7 years, just counting the stars. We speak of conquering the stars, yet all of assembled humanity from Adam on to now None of us lives long enough even to notice all the stars. Those estimates, I told you, they're wrong because they're based on 
a time before even the Hubble telescope, never mind the James Webb telescope. And I've, heard, I've mentioned this in Bible class before, at the Natural History Museum at the University of Nebraska. I used to go in for a course that I would take there toward my doctorate, and I used to try to get there a little bit early, because I was in a big old lecture hall, and across one whole wall was a picture of stars. And one day, I was bored enough that I actually walked over and read the inscription on the plaque that was below those stars. I just used to walk by and say, oh, that's pretty. And that was about it, you know? But one day I actually read the inscription and it mentioned the fact that this was a picture taken by the Hubble telescope of a blank area of space, a, a place not even the most sensitive telescope on Earth had ever been able to detect any light in. It was just solid stars. As a matter of fact, it was taken of an area of the sky that's smaller than your thumbnail as we stand here on Earth. And it's estimated that in that picture, 40,000 galaxies are depicted. When I consider the work of your hands, the moon and the stars that you've put in place? What am I? Who am I that you should care for me? God placed every one of those stars exactly where it should be. And God keeps each one of them in orbit. He called them all into being and has assigned them each their position and magnitude and he did it all in one day, we heard in our Old Testament reading for today. All by the power of his word. In order to escape the gravity of the earth, a rocket must achieve a speed of 25,000 miles per hour. For space travel to be feasible, much higher speeds would be necessary, but let's just stay with 25,000 miles an hour, because that's a lot faster than I've ever driven. If the wise men, noticing a new star in the heavens, had been able to celebrate the event by launching a manned space mission toward that closest star before they headed to Bethlehem, it wouldn't be back yet. If it maintained a steady speed of 25,000 miles an hour, in fact, it wouldn't have reached that closest star yet. But it would be expected in only a thousand more generations. I know everybody who's a big fan of Star Trek is going, oh. And we're told that there are stars more than a million times more distant from us. Or how about this as a illustration? Life on this earth is possible only because of the radiation of our own star. 
the light and the heat that hit us from the sun. How much of that light and heat that the star generates reaches us? About one, two billionth of its energy comes to us here. Yet we have to slaver the goop on just to go outside. If the sun were the size of Mayfair Mall, everybody's got an impression? Who's heard of Mayfair Mall? Okay, some of the rest of you, just talk among yourselves. But this illustration will make sense to the rest of them. If the sun were the size of Mayfair Mall, the earth would be the size of an eighth grade girl standing at the very far end on Center Street on that end of the mall. And the moon would be the size of a Cocker Spaniel puppy standing next to her. And the next nearest star would be the size of a Costco. However, it would be several million miles away, even on that scale. So what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? Yet our celebration today is the simple fact that the Lord is mindful of us, that he obviously does care for us. The same God whose hand cast the stars like so much seed corn welcomed little children into his lap. The same hands which shaped and steered the stars washed the feet of fishermen and felt the bite of crucifixion nails. Why should God be mindful of us? Your windows tell the story. Because of Jesus. Because of his love, his sacrifice, and his care, I am safe in the hands of him whose hand controls it all. The God who keeps planets from hurtling together and charts paths for innumerable stars across unimaginable distance tells me that not a hair falls from my head without his noticing. The one who has noticed every happening since before the beginning of creation and who has all the universe clamoring for his attention at any given moment has said to me, I will not forget you. How could I? See, I have carved you on the palm of my hand. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. God has made me a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned me with glory and honor. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and even more wonderfully redeemed. I am the crown of creation who had thrown aside the crown God gave me 
as if it were nothing. And so God came and took on human form that he might stoop and pick that crown up and place it back upon my head. And I could speak of many things that set me apart from animals and plants. Fully opposable thumbs, conscience, literature, art, commerce, the use of complex tools and weapons. But what really sets me apart is that God chose to become like me after I betrayed him. That he became a man born of a woman, born to rescue every woman and man from death toward which we had all crept. Not to mention the perversities which have polluted all of creation. Because of what Christ has done for us, we have a dignity and a standing before God which is above that of any other creature on earth. You and every person you meet are formed in the image of God. You are an unrepeated miracle of grace created by God, loved by God, redeemed by God. And there are times when it's very helpful for us to remember that because we might be tempted now and then to say, not why me, Lord, but why him, Lord? Who is this that I should be mindful of him? Who is this that I should care for him? The answer is simple. This is one for whom Christ died. God who has done so much for you, who's given you so many good things, is giving you the gift of this summer, the summer of 2023. Now in, the, in a way, every season that God gives us is like a gift card. And you can spend it wisely or you can spend it foolishly, but you can only spend it once. Spend it seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all good things will be added unto you. God has all things well in hand. He's control, he is in control of this season of life. And he will grant you its joys and sustain you in its sorrows. He who has promised to be with you always did not put a footnote at the bottom of the page saying this year doesn't count. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.